It's always good to be with the Northside Church. You are so friendly, accepting, loving, um, encouraging. I don't know what other words I can say, but it's, it's almost like homecoming for me because I've known so many of you for so long. I mean, the Bannings and, and uh, the Keyses go way, way, way back. And uh, a lot of others also. Uh, it's just a, a very, very, uh, I appreciate being able to be here. It, I've prayed a lot about this lesson. I really have. And it is my prayer that all of us would be built up in the faith and that we will be caused to appreciate the glory of God more than we have before the lesson. The uh, text this morning comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 13, if you'd care to turn there. 1 Chronicles 29, beginning with verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, thine is the dominion, O Lord, and thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from thee, and thou dost rule over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and it lies in thy hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee, and praise thy glorious name. In my study, I have zeroed in on one word in this text, and that's the word glory. There is also in the last verse the word glorious. It is my conviction that when we see the glory of God, It will move us as perhaps nothing else will. The Bible affords us example after example of men and women who have encountered God and then were just never the same after that. For the lesson this morning, I'm going to take various texts trying to paint a mental vision or picture of the glory of God, and then go back and observe the reaction of those that were so impacted by what they saw and heard. And then lastly, to ask, what about us? When we see God in all of His glory, What is our reaction going to be? And thus, the title of today's lesson, God's Glory Moves Me. God's Glory Moves Me. Now I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm now going to use various texts, as I told you, to try to paint a visual picture of the glory of God. Now, Ezekiel, the prominent theme of the book, 
is the glory of God. This glory is known as presence. It's also called Shekinah. Uh, in the Hebrew, uh, it means something that is worthy or weighty. And when you add other words like glory and glorious and, and the such, uh, you will find that it carries the idea of excellence and preeminence. The heavens declare the glory of God. So says Psalm 19, verse 1. And yet, I don't care what you see as you look at the heavens, a beautiful sunset or a sunrise, or even other parts of God's nature that might uh, talk about His glory. Those do not adequately describe for us the glory of God like we find in His Word. Ezekiel was blessed with more visions than any other prophet. And the book begins with one of his visions that just defies description. And just a simple reading through this vision will cause us to be awestruck by the glory of God. I'm going to just read Ezekiel 1, beginning with verse 22. Now over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal extended over their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward the other. Each one also had two wings covering their bodies on the one side and on the other. I also heard the sound of their wings like the sound of abundant waters as they went. And like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse, and it was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. And above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne like lapis lazuli. That doesn't tell you a lot until you look at the footnote, and it says ebon sapphire. I'll explain that in a moment. In appearance, and on that which side resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins, and upward something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins downward, I saw something like fire, and there was a radiance around him. As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord." Just a simple reading of this challenges our mental ability to picture. But I want us to try to see this. The, the, uh, the sapphire is a bright, deep, blue crystal. Keep that in mind. The throne then is of sapphire. A bright, deep 
blue crystal, and him who sits upon it in the appearance of a man, but his upper part was like glowing metal from the inside, and his waist down was giving off, like it was on fire, a radiance. And then there was the rainbow, and there was the rainbow in all of its colors. And Ezekiel says that that is like the glory, and the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And already you're going, God's glory moves me. Hold that thought, and let's go to for our second example to uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And here we're going to see Isaiah's view of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 6, and let's just begin reading with verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each one having six wings, with two uh, he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. I want you to picture, here was God on a throne. It says, high and lifted up, lofty. His train of his robe was filling that whole huge edifice. And there was then the uh, special angels. And they're calling one word three times for emphasis. Holy, holy, holy. And then what are they saying? The whole earth is full of his what? Glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations are trembling like a big earthquake at his voice. And the temple is filling with smoke. I've never been to Washington, D.C. But I am told that there are buildings there where you're surrounded by history and power. That you go in and there is just a hush, a quietness. People talk in hushed tones. There are guards, and you are not on your time schedule. They tell you when to go and etc. You're in the presence, and there's just an awesomeness of that. I want you to picture, if you can, what it would be like to come into the presence of God Almighty. There He is. On his throne, you are getting to see and experience God's glory. In Revelation chapter 4, John had a very similar experience that Isaiah had. In verse 2, He says, immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like jasper stone, 
the Phillips translation says a diamond. So you can imagine a huge diamond. And a sardius. This is a deep red in appearance. And there was a rainbow and a throne like an emerald in, the, in appearance. And so you began to visualize what's there. Drop down to verse 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, were full of, eye, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, here we are, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy art thou our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power for thou didst create all things and because of Thy will, they existed and were created. Now, that's the two Old Testament examples. And now then, I go to Matthew chapter 17. And we find here the transfiguration of Jesus. And again, His glory shines. I'm reading from verses 1 and 2. And six days later, Jesus took with Him Peter and James and John, His brother, and brought them up to the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured there before them, and his face shone like the sun. How long can you look at the sun without being blinded? And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light, a dazzling white. You've never seen anything as white as that. Again, a symbol of the glory of God. One last illustration, and then we'll come back to these, is in Acts chapter 9. We have Saul of Tarsus. He's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, and Jesus appears to him. I'm reading now Acts 9, beginning with verse 1. Now Saul was brave breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, and went to the high priest and asked for letters from him uh, to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about as he journeyed that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Uh, But arise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. He was blinded by that. And uh, so here is him as he even senses, There's deity dealing with me. Who are you, Lord? Now, those are the examples. Let's go back and let's now notice the reaction of those who were so impacted by the vision of God's glory. I'm back in Ezekiel 1. I did not read the last sentence in verse 28 because I did not want to 
preempt myself, but now I read it. I'm in Ezekiel 1, verse 28. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. Now, the next two verses. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Then he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And he spoke to me, and the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. The vision drained him of his strength. Did you get that? And the Spirit had to set him up on his feet. He couldn't stand. That's the way Ezekiel responded to the glory of God. Now going to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. At first, I'm sure that Isaiah had wild-eyed enthusiasm. But then immediately as he considered what was going on, immediately looked to himself and he felt very unworthy. Let's read now, continuing Isaiah 6, beginning with verse 5. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. That's the way Isaiah responded to the glory of God. As he humbled himself, and he says, I'm going to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. That was Isaiah. Then going to uh, Matthew chapter 17. Let's go to Matthew as we look at at least Peter's response. Blabbermouth Peter, as soon as he sees this transfiguration, I'm in Matthew 17 beginning with verse 3, And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, It's good for us to be here, if you wish. Uh, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Verse 6, And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces, And were much afraid. I think when I read this, of Moses' reaction to God. And I'm going to read three verses from Hebrews chapter 12. Even Moses, as he beholds the glory of God. For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched with a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom, and a whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which, was, uh, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them, for they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. 
And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of faith, of fear, and trembling. Even Moses, full of fear and trembling. The last illustration in Acts chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus, when he was struck blind, was led by his men into the city. And Acts 9 and verse 9 tells us, And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. As he was there saying, What have I just seen and heard? What is going on? He then is approached by Ananias. And Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. And Saul of Tarsus was never the same again. He would go on and become that great apostle Paul, and he would pay with his very life. That's what the glory of God did to Saul. We have looked now at men who have experienced the glory of God, but now then we come, what about us? I told you that the theme of today's lesson was God's glory moves me. Moves me to worship and serve, and obey with every fiber of my being. There was a Greek sage who once said, if oxen worship gods, their gods would be oxen. Little men conceive of a little god. Great men conceive of a great god. More the more we know about God is the greater that He is. And the more we see His glory is the more we want to honor and worship and serve Him. I have a last passage that I want to read you. Psalms 86, reading, uh, beginning with verse 8 and going through verse 13. There is no one like thee among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like thine. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and they shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and dost wondrous deeds, thou alone art God. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify thy name forever. For thy loving kindness toward me is great, and thou hast delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. That is the reaction of someone who has seen the glory of God. I remind you, the theme of today's lesson is God's glory moves me. Moves me to worship and serve and to obey, not out of fear, but out of love and reverence and honor. 
And I'm going to say that if you can study what we've studied today and not be moved by God's glory, I feel sorry for you. No, I am concerned. And I believe that you need to pray, Lord, help me. Help me. Soften my heart so that I can get my eyes off of the mundane things of this world and center them on spiritual things. When we see God in all of His glory, the things of this earth begin to fade. They are, they are transitory. They will not last, even our lives in the sight. And so I'm asking you, as I began to give the invitation, to think about the glory of God and your own response to that glory. Are you allowing God's glory to impact your life like what we have read today? If you have a need to obey the gospel or to rededicate your life, whatever it might be, we would invite you to go to the back where one of the elders will receive you while together we stand and sing.